السلام عليك زين الأنبياء السلام عليك الحمد لله الحمد لله الذي هدانا لهذا وما كنا لنهتدي لولا أن هدانا الله اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد مفتاح باب رحمة الله عدد ما في علم الله صراة والسلام دائمين بدوام منك الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن والاه وشهدوا أنه الله الذي لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له إلها واحدا ورب شاهدا ونحن المسلمون وشهدوا أن سيدنا وحبيبنا وكرة عيوننا محمد عبده ورسوله أرسله الله بالهدى والدين الحق ليظهروا على الدين كله ولو كره المشركون أما بعد يا عباد الله إني موسيكم ونفسي إياي بتقوى الله Over the past few weeks that we have been discussing the importance of prayer and in fact this will be the topic of this entire weekend and what we plan to cover insha'Allah ta'ala and this is the affair of the believer, is that throughout their life, they constantly go back to the basics and to the foundations. And they attempt to build their religious edifice upon firm foundations. And there is no foundation that is more important after the shahada, whereby which we testify that la ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah, nothing deserves to be worshipped except our Lord Allah. And that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa is the messenger of Allah and his servant and his prophet sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa than the prayer. Nothing is more important after the shahada than the prayer. This is the foundation upon which our entire deen is built. And it is for this reason that we know the very first thing that we will be taken to account for on the day of judgment is our salah. How are we praying? If our salah is in a good state, it's a good sign that everything else will be also in a good state. If our prayer is not in a good state, it is a bad sign in relation to everything else that it is that we have done. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us all to be from those who establish the prayer and persevere in their prayers and preserve it in all of its meanings until the day that we meet him subhanahu wa ta'ala. The, one of the greatest manifestations of a husn khatima is for someone actually to die in prayer. And there are people that have been gifted this. And then there are people that pray, and then shortly after they pray, they meet their Lord. The author of the book that we will be looking at, what he has to teach us about prayer, this is what happened to him. And it was described in great detail by his brother, the great brother of Imam al-Ghazali, Imam Ahmed ibn Muhammad al-Ghazali. He was one of the great scholars of the deen, even though that his brother was more famous. And he was especially noted for his great Persian poetry that he wrote, much of it which dealt with the love of Allah Tabaraka wa ta'ala. Is that he says, after praying Salat al-Fajr, and he actually mentions more details on the specific date and on the specific day, is that my brother Abu Hamid, is that he asked for his kafan, he asked for his shroud, that which we will be buried in, that white cloth that every single person will be buried in in the same way. 
And he said, He took his shroud and he kissed it and he put it on his head and he faced the qibla and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took his ruh by means of the angel of death. And the angel of death only that takes the soul by the command of Allah tabarak wa ta'ala. What kind of state is that? Where someone, right after they pray, they have a sense that their time is limited. They call for their shroud. And they place it on their head, kiss it, and then say, I hear and I obey to enter into the presence of the king. And people like this, they are people that have been blessed to be in a seat of truth before a powerful king. But these are people that spent their life establishing the prayer. And one of the most important things that we can do in our time, in a time where we tend to be very negligent of our prayers, and we don't tend to concentrate therein too much, is that we should try to pray in congregation. And in relation to the verse where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about those who are that regarding their prayer, sahun, waladina anasalati sahun, those that are negligent about their prayers, they don't prepare them in the right time. Some of the scholars have said, Alhamdulillah, Allah didn't say that fi salatihim sahun, in their prayer, that they are negligent and in a state of heedlessness. Otherwise, we all would have been destroyed. We can all attempt to pray on time. That's something we can all do if we make it a priority. And if you make it a priority, as we've said time and time again, Allah will facilitate, you, He will facilitate that for you. Even if you be in places where you might think it was difficult to pray. Making prayer a priority. And when we try to pray in its time, and we try to observe all of the various etiquettes associated with it, because of the state of our hearts, and you and I all know, we only get reward for our prayer to the extent that we're present in it. What is the state of our hearts? Are we present in one-tenth of our prayers, one-ninth of our prayers, one-eighth, one-seventh, or that more or significantly less, perhaps? This is our state. May Allah Ta'ala protect us and preserve us. And one of the greatest benefits of praying in congregation is that Allah Ta'ala will accept the prayer even if there's no one worthy in that congregation to have their prayer accepted simply because they prayed together. And I wanted to start by looking at the aqwal of the ulama, what the scholars have said about Salat al-Jama'ah, about prayer in congregation. And this it tells us by virtue of what that they have seen that the legal ruling is, how important prayer and congregation really is. And we'll start with the lightest of the opinions, because all of the differences of opinion in the sacred law are between takhfif and tashdeed, are between positions that incline towards leniency and positions that incline towards strictness. The most lenient of opinions has, according to two of the schools, prayer and congregation is a sunnah mu'akkada for men who are legally responsible and of sound intellect and have the ability to perform it. That it's a sunnah mu'akkada, a confirmed sunnah. And the proof of the scholars that lean towards this position 
is the words of our Prophet Salat al-Jama'ati tafdulu salat al-fadh bi khamsin or fi riwayah or bi sab'in wa ishirina daraja is that the congregational prayer excels, is superior to the individual prayer 25 degrees or 27 degrees. And so the way that our Prophet is presenting it in this hadith is that this is something in addition to what you would get that if you would pray on your own. But then there are some that have said establishing the congregational prayer is a fard kifaya. For an individual praying it, that has the recommendation. It tends to be sunnah if other people are doing it. But establishing the prayer is a fard kifaya. And this is a fard kifaya upon that men in any community that are residents that have some of the other that previously mentioned conditions as well, so that people know there's a congregational prayer in that area, in that community, in that neighborhood. And this is based upon a hadith of our Prophet that says, There won't be three people that live in any village, let alone city. Or even in the Bedu, in the desert, far from people, what we would call maybe small town America, or even in the wilderness, that far from other people in a rural area. And they don't establish a congregational prayer, save illa. What happens? Istahwada alayhim shaitan. Shaitan will gain control over them. Fa'alika bil jama'ah, that you must adhere to the congregation. The wolf eats the stray sheep. If you watch the Discovery Channel, what happens? They tend to go for that lagging, that young buffalo that's behind, or that lagging young gazelle that got separated from the herd, and then there's no way for them to that get away from a pack of wolves that is hunting him down or hunting her down. Shaitan looks for the one who's all alone. The stray sheep. Alaykum bil jama'ah. We need one another. If we think that we can be al alone, you're either from the great awliya, and maybe that's true that you can, or you're completely deluded, and chances are you're very deluded. There's very few people that if you would leave them alone that would be able to maintain their deen, their religion in a way than were they to have been with people. It is a great station. The very few examples of the great of the past, the likes of Waysid Qarni, who the Prophet mentioned, وسلم, and that archetype of people throughout history that we have the mentioning of many of their names in books. They were not just the one in a million. They were a one in the 10, 20, or 30 million. They were the select, select few. We need people, and we need the jama'ah. And there's a blessing with the jama'ah. Yadullahi. The hand of God is with the congregation. There will be a divine assistance for those that stick to the group. And then you have the strictest opinion of all, which is the opinion of Sadatana al-Hanabila. The first opinion of it being that Sunnah Mu'akkada and emphasized Sunnah was the opinion of the great Hanafi scholars and Maliki scholars. And even though there are some differences of opinion within each school, the Shafi opinion was the one that was previously mentioned about it being an oblig communal obligation to establish. And then you have the most strict, the strictest opinion of all, 
which is that it's fard'ain. Some of them say that it's an individual obligation. And from here you can start to understand the words of our Prophet, even if there's weakness in the chain. The scholars that virtually, like in a unanimous way, accepted it. The difference of opinion in my ummah is a mercy. But they have a number of proofs. And one of the greatest proofs of the Sadatan al Hanabila is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala legislated congregational prayer even in the midst of a war. Salat al Khawf, it's called. And there's different kafiyat, there are different ways of performing it. And look in any manual of fiqh and read about it. In other words, that in pre-modern warfare where that you're fighting with swords and shields and arrows and spears and cavalry and things of this nature. You're praying even in a midst of a war in congregation. And it's permissible then even to move out of the normal state of prayer and actually attack the enemy. And do rukur and sujood in between the blows that you give them. And they even mentioned then that if there's blood on your sword, that it's overlooked. The purpose of mentioning this is to point to the importance of prayer. If Allah has legislated prayer, even in the midst of a battle, and if there's actually no fighting, then there's things that you do. There's one group that prostrates, and then comes back, and then the second group prostrates, and then comes back, and you take turns, all in one congregation. And the details of which can be found in the manuals of fiqh, but this is pointed to in Surah An-Nisa, in the 102nd verse. But also, Allah Taala said, it, our Prophet said, which is another proof, the weightiest prayer for the hypocrites is the Isha prayer, the night prayer, the last prayer of the day, and Salat al-Fajr, the morning prayer, the first prayer of the day. And the, also the statement that was previously quoted by Ibn Mas'ud is that we used to see that the only person that would remain behind from the congregational prayer was a munafiq that was ma'lum al-nifaq, was a hypocrite that was well known to be a hypocrite. And then we have very strong words from our messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa as well in this regard. And these are very clear proofs according to this school that the congregational prayer is an individual obligation. But as we mentioned, scholars differ on this matter. But the point of knowing these different opinions should increase in our minds the severity of the matter. This is something that you and all, you and I need to do. The very first thing we know our Prophet did when he moved to Medina Morawara was to establish the masjid. And there was a reason for this. Because that is right at the heart of a community. And whenever we establish a community or live with certain people in any area, the single most important thing of all is prayer. So if we're at a conference and we know that there's a number of other people staying in the same hotel, the number one first thing that we should think about is prayer. And if there's other people around, we should pray in congregation. We should get together if there's a place that we can congregate. And there's very few hotels that won't give you some type of room to do that. And if there's no way, very at least establish a congregation in your own room. But preferably, 
with other people that are in the same location. If you're going on vacation with a group of other families, the number one most important consideration should be the prayer, praying together, even while we're traveling, let alone while we are residents. This is very important. And were someone to move to a location solely for the reason to have easy access to a masjid or a musalla where there's a congregational prayer, that would be a worthy intention that Allah Ta'ala would reward them abundantly for. And if you look in the traditional Muslim world, my experience is in that certain places, but I know in the blessed city of Tareem that sometime there are masajid so close that you can throw a stone and you could be at the next masjid. And someone might wonder like, why do you have a mosque here? And then a mosque here, and a mosque here, and a mosque here, and a mosque there. And part of the wisdom was is that from the way that they used to build their mosque in those days is they tended to be smaller. So you needed more room for people. But the other wisdom is the closer they are to your home is that the easier it is for you to pray your prayers in them. And also people didn't tend to have like we have now a bathroom in the home where you wash yourself and things like this. Some people didn't have that in their homes. They had to freshen up outside of their homes in the masjid to relieve themselves outside of the homes in a that public place that was set up for that. So there was practical considerations there as well. But it, there was also that consideration of facilitation, making it easy. And we know that our Prophet said, وسلم, is that the afdal al-a'mal, of everything that is that we can do, of all of the good deeds that we can possibly do, is praying as-salatu li-mawaqitiha, praying on time. And preferably praying in the beginning of the time, in congregation, in a masjid or a musalla. The great imams who came before us, we were talking about this the other day. Think about the illustrious imams who came before us. The great imams of uh, fiqh who we just mentioned, the great imams of hadith, that all of the great imams of the various sciences uh, throughout the centuries, almost all of them, with the rarest of exceptions, were praying all five of their prayers in congregation in their masjid from the time that they were young till the time that they died. And that tells us a little bit about why there was so much blessing in their scholarship in the words that they wrote. And if we want our things to be beneficial, as for that which benefits people, we'll remain here on earth. Allah has kept all of this for us to benefit from. But the secret of that benefit was their heart's connection to Allah Ta'ala and the acceptance that they received. But one of the greatest secrets of all was their prayer. And I remember our teacher, Shaykh Hamza, may Allah Ta'ala preserve him, is that he used to say, he always felt that the greatest secret of Marabat al-Hajj was for 70 to 80 years of his life, every single prayer right on time in congregation, exactly as it's supposed to be, never missing in any circumstance, like clockwork. And then imagine the impact that that will have on you over time and how that will illuminate your internal being, praying, Day in and day out, day in and day out, day in and day out. All of us, and I'm speaking to this that poor soul before you, after having a long week, we're like, oh, 
Maybe I'll just take Saturday and Sunday off. Maybe I'll just relax a little bit. I'm too tired to go to the masjid. This is not how the people before us used to think. They used to get their energy from prayer and from religious devotion and from worshiping Allah tabarak wa ta'ala. And we should just be ashamed before our Lord because of our states and repent to him and try to do better and ask Allah to give us strength. And the stronger that we become, the more that we will follow the Prophet in this sunnah. Whenever the Prophet was affected by anything around him, he went through some type of tribulation or calamity or there was something that on his mind or there was an important matter at hand, he used to hasten to prayer and to worship his Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is a practical sunnah that you and I can implement. Anytime that something goes wrong, you heard that you just lost a lot of money. You lost that some investment that you had just completely that fell through. You lost a lot of money. Go right to prayer. That you lost a loved one. Go right to prayer. Is that something bad happened to one of your children? Go right to prayer. There's a fight that broke out between people and you're in the middle of it. Rush to prayer. There's something that you're worried about in the future. Rush to prayer. Let's get in the habit of that. And in a very real way. Allah will take care of us. It doesn't mean that we're not going to go through hardship, but he'll be there for us, subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you and I must rewire ourselves, and especially in this time of heedlessness, we should strive to pray. And if there's no way for us to make it to the masjid or to the musalla, at least we should try to find someone else to pray with. And if we work somewhere where there's no other Muslims, then you're excused, there's nothing you can do. But make a strong intention, and who knows? Allah might open up a door, even in that situation, for a better circumstance for you to be in so that this can that be a part of your deen. But at least at home, if you can't come to the place of prayer, establish the congregational prayer. Do it with your wife or with your children. And if there's no one else, sometimes you might have to call a neighbor and trouble them to get together. And in some of the schools, it's permissible to repeat your prayers if you have to pray on your own so that you can then get the reward for the congregational prayer. It's of this amount of importance. And I want to quote Imam al-Haddad now where he talks about the severity of being too lax in this matter. So whoever that falls short and just neglects and acts like it's not important in relation to this matter, i.e. praying in congregation. He says this after listing that many of the benefits of it and some of the reports that we have regarding it. And this religious prophet that is for the hereafter, that it's not too hard to attain, and that it's not too difficult to acquire. And to be fair, it's probably more difficult in our time than is in his time or in the context of his words. But still, this person is in a state of serious heedlessness and doesn't really know what's good for him in relation to his deen. And it's an indication that they don't really have much desire to prepare for the hereafter. And especially, and he knows very well in relation to his own self, everything that he bears of tiring himself, and 
and goes through all types of difficulties. Seeking profit from the things of this world. That is perishing. And what he's saying here is, is that think about what we do from dunya. Think about the distances that we drive to get groceries. Think about where it is that we go, drive what we drive to do to go to our favorite restaurant. Think about what it is that we do for vacations. Think about everything that it is that we do for our work in our work lives. And then the slightest thing that's difficult for the day, oh, I'm tired. Or, this is not a good sign. We have to look very carefully at the state of our hearts. Think about what we're willing to do for dunya. And you say that you're too tired to come for Salat al-Isha, but then you spend time on Netflix and you watch the next video. Or now that basketball season started, you're watching right the next basketball game. And it's also amidst football seasons, so you're watching the football game. And then eventually baseball season is going to begin. And then you're watching this or that or something else or your show that you like to watch on a weekly basis. You have plenty of time for that. And all of a sudden you sit down and watch that. Where'd the tiredness go? And then you wake up late. Then you go to sleep late. And then you're unable to even wake up for Salat al-Fajr and barely pray it on time, let alone pray it in the masjid. But you weren't too tired to watch that movie or to play video games or to do whatever else it is that you wanted to do. The point here is, is that this should come first and that we should make this a priority in our deen to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this particular way. And the last matter that we're going to discuss today is congregational prayer is important in general, but especially, especially for Isha and Fajr. Because we have nusus, sayings of our Prophet ﷺ that indicate this. Isha is the night prayer and Fajr is the morning prayer. And our Prophet said, and this is the hadith in Sahih Muslim, Man isha fi Whoever prays the last prayer of the day, Isha, in congregation, it is as if that he's prayed half the night. And whoever prays the Fajr prayer in congregation, it is as if that he has prayed the entire night. And one of the benefits is, if that night was Laylat al-Qadr, because there are some opinions that say Laylat al-Qadr could be any time of the year. But usually it's in Ramadan, and usually it's in the last 10 days of Ramadan, and usually it's in one of the odd nights of the last 10 days of Ramadan. The custom to call the 27th night of Ramadan Laylat al-Qadr is not fully accurate, even though of all of nights it tends to be one of the nights where it, it might be more often than others. But Laylat al-Qadr moves around. And the very least that you have to do to get the reward for Laylat al-Qadr or any of the other special nights of the year is to pray Isha and Fajr in congregation. And then there's an additional benefit. Whoever prays Salat al-Isha in congregation will be under the protection of Allah until the morning. Whoever prays the congregational prayer for in, 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 uh, Fajr in congregation he will be under the protection of Allah until the evening. And they used to mention about Hajjaj. And we know the heinous things that he did and the number of people that he killed. But before that he would take someone's life, he would ask if they prayed the Fajr prayer in congregation. And as that terrible of a person that he was, 
he knew that if someone prayed in congregation there under the protection of Allah and that he would wait for another time to harm that individual. Even despite his state, there was remnants of iman in his heart. The point here being is, this is of the utmost importance. And I remember, and these are the type of things that move you. Being in the blessed city of Tarim, and the adhan of Isha was called. And there was something that I wanted to do very quickly, and then I was going to go to the masjid. The person of where I wanted to go was coming out. And he was the one who was in charge of the gate. So he was about to lock it. I said, just real quick, I'm going to go in very quick. I'm going to come right back out. My intention was to make the jama'ah. And he looked at me like I was, something was wrong with me. And this man, he probably doesn't even know how to read or write. As simple as simple could be. But this is what happens when you grow up in a society of scholars and pious folk. He looked at me and said, you want me to spend the night tonight outside of the protection of Allah? Allah. La ilaha illallah. La ilaha illallah. Iman. That is what we want. Iman ka iman al-ajaiz. That is iman. That is faith. Do you want me to spend the night tonight outside of the protection of Allah? He thought something was wrong with me, especially for a student of knowledge that is associated with one of the schools in this blessed city. He thought something was wrong with me. And that I remember there would be that cleaners who would come to the home. Likewise, very simple people. And if they ever saw someone in the house not praying in congregation, they were so hurt by that, they would tell them, just tell me, I'll pray with you. So you can get congregation. They thought that that was something like you just simply couldn't do. And this is what happens when you grow up in a society like this. But these sunnas, they might seem like they're not too significant, but they're extremely significant. The meanings of the deen in this country or wherever Islam takes root is built upon this. This is not just something for old people. The masjid is not just something for older, retired people to come and to own and to possess and to worship Allah. No, it is for all of us. And we need to resemble these blessed elderly people. And we should never look down upon people. We quoted the hadith last night. Who are not to be for the elders that are bowing in prayer. They're a means of warding off punishment from all of creation. They're a means of warding off tribulation from all of us. The blessed people who do take this serious. And actually spend their time worshiping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this way. So this is something that you and I want to bring to life. And this is something that we hope to see in this community and in other communities. Is that at very least, Salat al-Fajr and Salat al-Isha in congregation in one of the local masajid or in the musalla or in a prayer hall that has been designated for this. And arrange your times around this. And I know for us here in these northerly latitudes, sometimes the prayer fluctuates anywhere up to four hours. Maghara prayer gets as early as 4.30 and as late as 8.30, so Isha gets kind of late. But you have to pray anyway, and it's a way to regiment your schedule. And if things become difficult because you want to serve dinner or that you need to put children to bed or something of this nature, you still have to do it. It's not an excuse. And the men should help the women in this regard, and the women should help the men. Don't keep your husband at home just simply to because you need him to put the kids to sleep or something of that nature. Work something out where you work together as a team so that you can put everything in its proper place. And men, don't leave your women hanging. That if they want to pray congregation in the congregational prayer, 
is that, and they can't go to the place of prayer, then pray with them and even repeat your prayer if you have to. But if we do this, there will be abundant good that comes to us and by extension to the people of these lands and to the ummah of our Prophet Sallallahu and the people of our time. May Allah Tabarakatah give us tawfiq. وَقُلُّ قَوْلِ هَذَا وَأَسْتَغْفِرُ اللَّهِ لِي وَلَكُمْ وَلِجَمِيعِ مُسْلِمِينَ فَاسْتَغْفِرُهُ فِنَّهُ غُفُرُ الرَّحِيمِ Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, wa sallallahu ala seyyidina muhammadin, ashraf al-anbiya'i al-mursaleen, wa ala alihi al-tayyibin al-tahirin, wa sahabi al-muhdadeen, wa tabi'innahum bi-ahsani la yawm al-deen, wa alayna ma'am wa fihim bi-rahmatika ya arhamar rahimeen, wa shalun la ilaha illallah, wa shalun muhammad rasulullah, ma ba'd ya ibadullah, inni musikum wa nafsi iya ya bitaqwallah, إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد كما صليت على سيدنا إبراهيم وعلى آل سيدنا إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد وبارك على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد كما باركت على سيدنا إبراهيم وعلى آل سيدنا إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميد مجيد ورضي الله تعالى سادتنا خلفاء الرشيدين أبي بكر وعمر وعثمان وعلي وعلى جميع صحابة رسول الله وأهل بيت رسول الله المطهرين من أرجاس وعلينا معهم فيهم برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين اللهم اغفر للمؤمنين ومؤمنات المسلمين والمسلمات الأحياء منهم والأموات ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقينا عذاب النار يا أول الأولين يا آخر الآخرين يا ذي القوة المتين ويا راحم المساكين ويا أرحم الراحمين أنجزننا رحمة من عندك نسعد بها في الدنيا والآخرة آواكم الله نصركم الله إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعيذكم لعلكم تذكرون اذكروا الله العظيم يذكركم واشكروا نعمه يزدكم ولذكر الله اكبر